We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hey Chargers fans, this is the Guilty as Charged podcast where we discuss all things related to the Los Angeles Chargers. We are available on all podcast platforms including Apple, Spotify, and Google. If you like the show, please leave us a rating or review. We do really appreciate the positive feedback. Make sure and follow us on social media including our Patreon account where as little as $1 gains you access to cool things like jersey giveaways and film breakdowns. Thanks for tuning in and enjoy the show. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome into the Guilty as Charged podcast. My name is Steven, and joining me, as always, are Alex and Tyler. Uh, we'll start with Tyler. How are you doing, man? I am very, very stressed. Like, no, never mind. Forget it. I'm not going to make that joke. I'm very stressed. <laughs> That's all I'll say. Forget it. <laughs> hey, man, speaking of jokes, you had a, a really interesting one on, uh, on Twitter today about Justin Herbert and his uh, strong arm. It's very strong, and <laughs> some might prefer it that way. <laughs> You know, I admire his tools for those of us that do not. There we go. Tools. <laughs> so Man, that, that had me cracking up, dude. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> I um, think half of Twitter unfollowed me, though, because of it. <laughs> hey, well, they're lost. Alex, man, your your teams, both of your teams won today, man. J- Jalen Hurts led the Eagles to a win and Justin Herbert led yeah. the Chargers to a win. Um, yeah, I mean, both of my rookie quarterbacks initial JH uh, did well, I guess. Um yeah, no, Hertz was uh, surprising. He threw from the pocket well and didn't uh, take unnecessary sacks, so it was a start. Uh, but <laughs> it's uh, been a weird year, so it was nice to see them both win today. And, you know, I, I was expecting young Wei Ku to kick the game-winning field goal. Yes. And it was Mike Badgley, so that was surprising. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, no, uh, overall, good day in football. And, hey, the Chargers move up in the draft, so 
everyone wins. Yeah, because of uh, the strength of schedule, you know, tiebreaker, you know, the, the Chargers were able to jump the Cowboys in, in the draft order, move up to number four. So really it was a win-win, you know, because, you know, they got to move yeah. up in the draft order and they actually won a game. So uh, we'll definitely cover that some more often. But overall, I just felt like it was a very weird day in football. The Chargers won, the Cowboys won, the Eagles won, Drew Locke and Mr. Trubisky lit it up and <laughs> and it was just overall weird. But um, I do want to talk about the Kansas City Chiefs for a second because obviously we just watched the Sunday Night Football game and the Pittsburgh Steelers lost to uh, the Buffalo Bills. And, and that basically, you know, gives the Kansas City Chiefs, uh, you know, they're, they're staring down the one seed and, and it's only one uh, by this year because of the altered playoff format. So I just want to get your guys' thoughts on you know, the, the Chiefs had arguably their worst day on offense today against the Dolphins, and they still won. And this team can beat you just in so many different ways. Uh, do you? I don't think anybody's going to beat them in the playoffs. What do you guys think of the Chiefs, you know, their chances of repeating this year? Tyler, I'll start with you this, on this one. I, As much as I hate it, they just seem unstoppable. I mean, they stopped themselves, and they had as bad of right. a you know, first quarter, maybe first half overall, as I've ever seen Mahomes have. I mean, taking a 30-yard sack was as bad as I've seen since, since Benjamin took that bad, you know, punt for a safety. <laughs> oh, geez. I mean, I don't know what you're doing. You know, he's not Lamar Jackson. He's just, he's running backwards. I mean, that's ridiculous. A couple of interceptions. I think it was a botched snap at one point and they didn't look good. And then they adjusted and they just won and it was over. I mean, the <laughs> dolphins, I'll, I'll, I'll say this. I will give the dolphins actually a lot of credit because, you know, they, they made the plays that they needed to, and they lost almost everyone on offense you know, by the end, I had no idea who was two I was throwing to. Um, I know, unfortunately for Steven, Devontae Parker got Ugh, hurt. Sucked. Sorry for your fantasy <laughs> season there. But, you know, Gasecki was hurt at one point. I think Gat- Gaskin was out. Um, I think the other guy, William Williams, Preston Williams. I don't know. It's the Dolphins. I don't care. Um, you know, <laughs> so I give him credit for hanging in there. But yeah. it just it just looks like, you know, the Chiefs, despite the worst game they could have had from their best player, they still won and won pretty handily. Right. And uh, they just look unstoppable. And they're, they're well-coached all around. You know, the special teams, I'm watching them score that touchdown and thinking, wow, you know, when was the last time the Chargers blocked like that on a return? Of course, the Chargers had a good return today after I say that. But I don't know. They just look so good overall. They, they adjusted so quickly. You know, and they have a quarterback who will just always figure it out. Yeah. You know, I, I, had, I had zero you know, doubts that Mahomes would figure it out, you know, coming out of the second half and he did and they look great. So uh, at this point, unless they play, you know, the Raiders in the postseason, (laughs) which makes no sense. um, I don't see how anybody stops them. So yeah, I think, I think they're they're the ones. Um, Yeah, no, I think you basically have to play a perfect game against them to win. Uh, And I just think that's incredibly hard to do. Yeah. and just like going through the AFC teams that could knock off the Chiefs, it's like, okay, well, the Steelers have lost two in a row and they have a ton of injuries they're dealing with and they yeah. haven't looked nearly as good on offense uh, as they once did. Um, Bills, maybe, but, you know, there's still questions about that offense and how consistent it can be come playoff time. And then you get into teams like the Titans and the Browns and the Colts where week to week you don't totally know what team you're going to get uh so i just think it's kind of hard to really pick a team that is like a maybe in the in the nfc i think you have teams like the packers teams like the seahawks 
uh, or teams, maybe the Rams. You have teams that I think can put up a fight in the Super Bowl, um, but I don't really think there's an AFC team that can compete right now. And I know everyone wants to believe in the Colts and Phillip Rivers, and we want <laughs> it would be awesome if Phillip Rivers was the one to do it. Um, but I just don't see any team beating Andy Reid in that stack team where Mahomes can throw three picks and they win handily. Yeah, it's just so tough for the other teams. Really, you know, Pittsburgh has just been a, a mixed bag. Obviously, they're eleven and two, but like you mentioned, the injuries. You know, the Colts at some point they're going to have to be able to trust Philip Rivers to make plays with his arm. And you know, we're all obviously all three of us are rooting for that to happen. Um, but you know, we we all are very familiar with Philip Rivers' history in the playoffs, and unfortunately, just I don't know how much people should be trusting him. So. It'll be really interesting, man. I, I think the Bills, honestly, might be the second team in the AFC. Uh, they've got a very good defense getting hot at the right time. Their offense is really one of the best offenses in the league. So I think the Bills and Chiefs in a rematch could be really interesting. But, you know, the Chiefs, obviously, um, they play the Chargers the last game of the, of the season. And who knows? Maybe they might have the, the one seed locked up by then. You know, the Steelers have a pretty tough schedule coming up. They play... Uh, the Bengals this week, which is obviously isn't that bad, but then they play the Colts and the Browns to close out the season. So, you know, if the Colts are able to knock out the Steelers that week, the Chiefs might have the, the one seed locked up by the time they play the Chargers in week 17. That's unfortunate because I really want to see this team go toe to toe. Unless you want Lynn fired, there's a chance. <laughs> there's a chance. I really do believe there's a chance the Chargers could beat the Chiefs because they really almost did with a quarterback who didn't even touch the football with the first team offense. Yeah, so I, I kind of want to see it, but if you want Lynn to be fired, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, that certainly would be interesting. You know, I think a lot of people were were saying today on Twitter before the game, like, oh, they, you know, I don't want the Chargers to win because that's going to save Anthony Lynn's job. Uh, today definitely did not save Anthony Lynn's job, man. And uh, <laughs> yeah. we'll yeah. get to the game recap now, and, and we'll start with the bad, and then we'll move into the good because obviously the Chargers won, and, and we do want to focus on the good things, but. That end of the first half was so, so bad. And, you know, Anthony Lynn saying after the game that they wanted to be aggressive and then they called a run play and, and, you know, the lack of communication maybe wasn't there. And you know who else had a lack of communication that cost the team in a a situation like that? Adam Gaze and Greg Williams. You know, Greg Williams called a zero blitz and Adam Gaze didn't know what was going on. And the Jets lost to the Raiders on the last play of the game. You know, good coaching staffs just don't allow that to happen. And Anthony Lynn had called a timeout beforehand. Like, what are you doing during the timeout? You know, you're you're supposed to be having a discussion with Shane Steichen and Justin Herbert about what's going on. He obviously knew that there was going to be a run play called, or or at least he should have known. And, and then obviously they weren't even able to get any kind of points. So it should have been 17 to 13 heading into halftime. Uh, and instead it was 17 to 10. What did you guys make of of the closing of the first half? I mean, it just seems like there's a really big disconnect, uh, I guess, between Lynn and Steichen. Like, and that's right. been kind of evident for a few weeks now, uh, going back to, you know, I, I mean, the Bills game was a really obvious one. Uh, they obviously looked really bad against the Patriots last week, but it's been, you know, throughout the season, you know, Steichen has had some good games, but there just hasn't been that consistency. And uh, I think that communication with Lynn uh, on a game to game basis, that's really been significant. Um, So I I think that that's been problematic. And, you know, obviously 
you talk about uh, the burning of timeouts in previous games and the, the end of the first half debacle where the Chargers couldn't put any points up on the board. Um, I, I was almost sure they would. And you know, then that happens. Like, you know, that's a, you know, if, you know, the Falcons, if Matt Ryan doesn't throw three picks, uh, that's a thing that costs you the game. Like, you know, yep. just flat out not getting at least three points there. Um, so it's just really tough to really watch this offense. And it feels like for about the last three or four weeks, there's just not been uh, a really cohesive offensive identity. Like, I don't know, are we the team that wants to let Herbert cook? Are we the team that wants to run a bunch of screens and have them go nowhere? Are we, (laughs) you know, um, I, I just feel like they're trying to, kind of do too many things at the same time and they're not doing any of them particularly well um some of that is trying to get austin eckler touches but i mean i i think he's been very good obviously um it's just been like i think it's just been conflicting you know thoughts and opinions on offense and i think that you know partially just comes down to the relationship between uh lynn and steichen and steichen's a first year oc so um, I think it was always going to be tough coming into this year, but I certainly didn't expect it to be uh, this tough. No, you're spot on. The lack of communication is so apparent and it's apparent no matter where you look, you know, week 17 of last year, Anthony Lynn at halftime to a reporter says, I think we'll try to play more man against the chiefs. <laughs> like, what? Why are we doing that now? It's week 17. Your season's lost. And we're like, let's play man. Oh, by the way, the defense was playing great up until that point. You know, even the playing whatever Gus Bradley had that game going for them, I'm sure it was zone. Yeah. But Lynn's like, let's play more man. Like, okay, that's weird. You know, and then now you go to the draft. Okay, let's be a run team. Telesco, what are you going to do? Well, I'll give you Joshua Kelly in the fourth. And, <laughs> you know, now he's inactive by week 14 or 15, whatever this is. Oh, my gosh. Okay, man. what's going on? You know, and then, you know, all the issues we've seen this season between, you know, Lynn and, and Steichen. To the point where, I mean... How is it that we don't even really know who's calling plays on this offense? You know, I mean, we do, but we kind of don't. And the announcers are like, well, Lynn was mad at Steichen for this. You know, but we're watching the replay and it's like, well, Lynn should have had, you know, maybe he called out of like, what is going on? Like the fact that I, we can't even sit here and figure out who's calling the plays, who's calling the shots. The lack of communication on this team is just ridiculous. I don't understand what the rationale was for the end of the, that end of the half, you know, which is, Again, it shouldn't say I, I'm hoping I'm hoping that this win and the improved special teams performance does not save Lynn's job, you know, and overshadow, I guess, you know, the, the all the bad that's happened this year. Um, so I don't know. I'm, I'm just confused. I don't understand where the communication is. I don't understand what this team wants to even try to be. It's just I don't know, I'm just confused. It is very confusing, man. And, you know, you mentioned the Tom Telesco thing. You know, I ranted about that last week and, you know, I don't really feel like doing that again, but <laughs> just, you know, Joshua Kelly being inactive and I get it. You know, you have Kalen Balazs, you know, who had a, a whopping 2.0 yards per carry average today. It was just fantastic. Yikes. And, you know, Justin Jackson can't stay healthy. So like when jo- when Joshua Kelly was selected, like I understood what they were trying to do, but then to follow it up with Joe Reed, who we all like, but again, inactive, not playing, has touched the ball like four times this year. And then you take Elohi Gilman, who barely saw his first time of action today. And then you take KJ Hill, who only plays if Keenan Allen is not if if Keenan Allen is uh, not on the field. 
So, like, if you're going to take a running back in the fourth round, man, you got to take some offensive linemen and be able to pound the rock. And, you know, that's just not happening. And this this rushing offense without without Austin Eckler has just been terrible. So, I don't know. Maybe Shane Steichen thought they had another timeout, and maybe that's why he called a, a run play. But, you know, with 20 seconds left, you <laughs> like, I'm a middle school football coach, man, and even I know that you, you cannot call – any kind of run plays once you're out of timeouts and whether that is again, like a lack of confusion about how many timeouts they have, or just, you know, them not really knowing what was going on. It's just inexcusable. And I like how the announcers are like, this is terrible, but it happens every single freaking week for this team, you know? And it's just, it's so frustrating to see these players just be held back by their coaching staff. And I said this a couple of weeks ago, Anytime that the Chargers are on the field, you might as well start the game 10-0 because that's basically the handicap that the, these players are facing because the coaching is just – it's terrible. And, you know, the halftime – the before half thing aside, the, what the hell are they doing with Justin Herbert right now, man? I, I'm pretty sure they threw 18 <laughs> screenplays. Mm-hmm. Matt Ryan, who's like 37 years old, got seven <laughs> boule calls, and Justin Herbert gets one – and, you know, Matt Ryan had a, had a couple design runs for him. Like, what what is going on with this coaching staff and Justin Herbert? I, I'm so, like, more than anything, I don't really care about the wins and losses at this point. More than anything, I just want to see the players be put in positions to succeed. And they're turning Justin Herbert into a guy who's taking five and seven-step drops and, and, you know, standing in the pocket like a statue. Like, what is the point? I, I don't get it at all. It almost reminds me of, honestly, Tyrod Taylor in Cleveland, where Hugh Jackson just asked the very mobile yeah. quarterback to go, you know, behind a bad offensive line to go, we're going to be a seven-step, you know, seven-step drop quarterback for Tyrod Taylor. And I get it that Herbert isn't quite the, you know, the same mobile quarterback as Tyrod Taylor, but that's what I'm watching at this point. Yeah, no creativity. Let's drop back and throw, or let, let's not design any runs. Like, I mean, I didn't watch the whole game, so I really don't know. I'll take your word for it that it was, you know, one or whatever, but. I believe, or not, not believe, the second touchdown that Herbert threw was a beautiful throw on the move. Yep. And even the first one to Allen, you know, it wasn't like really you know, like a design move or anything, but he was, you know, moving, had to adjust and throw. We've seen yep. him adjust so well and throw these amazing plays. And and they'll just like, nah, let's just let's just throw some screens. I mean, I get that like Eckler's a great player, and he obviously, you know, his average, whatever he, I think it was like six yards, you know, per touch this game. Great. I get it. Get the ball to him. But that's like all they did. Yeah. I don't understand what, what happened between, you know, they, they got out of the bye. They had, you know, the Jaguars week and they were, oh, my God, it was all aboard the Herbert Cook train. And then I was just like, I don't know what the fuck they're doing. Well, I think part of that also was just that uh, Austin Eckler came back for the Bills game. Right. Yeah. Um, so that was yeah, about like two, the three, three. two, the last three games. So. I think it might just be like trying to fit him in the offense because part of the reason they had to let Herbert cook so much was just that, you know, your running backs were Balazs and Justin Jackson. (laughs) (laughs) That was, that was the reality is like you had to throw 50 times a game uh, because of that. And, you know, they still do have to do that, but it's, you know, they also have to do the screen. So maybe it's just a thing where they're trying to equal out the touches and it's like, okay, well, Keaton has to get this many and her uh, Henry has to get this many and Eckler has to get this many, but um, I, I just think it should be more free flowing than that. Like, and, you know, you mentioned bootlegs and play actions and stuff like, you know, I was reminded it was that, uh, I think it was like third and goal or something with the jets touchdown. 
uh, where Herbert rolled out and darted Keenan Allen in the back of the end zone. Like that was a uh, pretty memorable too, in terms of like just Herbert figuring out something, rolling out and uh, making up, you know, making a play himself. So um, I, I just feel like they're trying to be a, a little too rigid, I guess, with Herbert in terms of like what he's allowed to do, what he's not. And also, you know, trying to like get, Austin Eckler or get certain guys touches when it's just like, you know, it should be kind of more organic in terms of who's getting the touches other than obviously Keenan Allen has to be a big part of the receiving game because none of the other receivers can get separation. But um, yeah, no, I mean, it's just like, I, I think you have to let Herbert cook at this point, but they just seem to be intent on getting, you know, guys X amount of touches every game. And you know, dropping it back when, you know, they're missing, you know, in this game, they missed Trey Turner and Balaga and they're still doing right. five, seven set dropbacks. So they just I mean, look like, sorry, go for it. No, you go ahead, Tyler. Okay. No, they just like to seem like they like to open things up and bully the bad defenses. You know, when do you think of you know the, the charges letting Herbert kind of, you know, either run the offense or try something creative, the Jaguars, the Jets, you know, even against the against the Raiders, you know, they had Keenan Allen coming out of the backfield on a route. You know, yeah. they used Joe Reed. But yet when you play guys mm-hmm. you know, like the Patriots, the Bills, the Dolphins, who have either, you know, better coached or just better defenses, they just retreat into a shell. It's so confusing. The other thing I guess I would say that's changed is the fact that, and because I think it was the, the Jaguars game, they just looked a different since Virgil Green got hurt too. I understand that changes maybe more like the run game, I suppose, but... They just look like in that Jaguars game, even with Virgil Green, setting him out, you know, doing verticals and four verts with three tight ends or whatever. Yeah. You know, they just look like, and I think that was the game Joe Reed had his, his rushing touchdown as well. Like, yeah. I don't know. I don't know if the Virgil Green being gone also affects things or what, but all of a sudden they just, you know, if it's a bad defense, we'll open it up. Otherwise we're going to be scared and, and pray to God we don't turn the ball over. Yeah. It's just really frustrating right now, man. And, you know, Shane Steichen in the middle of the season, you know, he was doing really well as a play caller and, you know, I you know, I went back and looked at, at some earlier games this season and, and the New Orleans game, like it was a lot of fun watching that offense play in the Tampa Bay game. It was a lot of fun. And this offense now, like, are they trying to turn him back into the Oregon version where it's just screenplays every single time? And and listen, I, I love Austin Eckler. You know, I I have his jersey. He's one of my favorite players in the league. But 24 touches is kind of absurd, man. <laughs> and 15 being carries and he was highly efficient. But there are other players on the team that you can scheme plays for. You know, Tyron Johnson stepped up in a big way today. Where was Jalen Guyton today, man? And I know Mike Williams was hurt, but, you know, Hunter Henry had six catches for 41 yards. Jalen Guyton had one catch. Like, other players on this team can make make plays too, and they're just not even being given the opportunity to do so. It's just like, okay, Austin Eckler run. Okay, Keenan Allen target. Keenan Allen target. Austin Eckler run. Austin Eckler target. Okay, Hunter Henry, you can finally come in now. And it's just like there's no like you mentioned, there's no flow. It's it's just so everything is so forced towards the team's two best players. And I get I I understand you want your best players to touch the ball, but you know, Justin Herbert averaged like 5 yards per attempt today, which is just like it's so it's just a waste. I think they called one deep shot. It was an incomplete pass to Jalen Guyton. And then uh, Herbert rolled out on another one and threw it deep to Tyron Johnson. It was an incomplete pass. So it's like two D two D passes. That's it. You know, I think maybe three or four traveled past 10 yards. It was just frustrating, man. I know they won, but this offense was just so clunky. 
Yeah, no, I mean, it was it was just really um, clunky, as you said. Uh, and it's just like, you know, last week it was like, okay, it's the Patriots defense and it's Stephon Gilmore uh, or, you know, the Bills defense the previous week dealing with Tredavious White. But, like, the Falcons defense hasn't exactly been, you know, <laughs> the no. cream of the crop in the NFL. Um, you know, they get thrown on as much as the Chargers secondary gets thrown on. Um, so, you know, I, I just didn't understand the you know, lack of creativity. You said the lack of, you know, letting Herbert take deep shots uh, and control, control the offense. I, I just, they just seemed very, uh, you know, as you said, I, I guess scared on offense uh, to not turn the ball over or not make that crucial mistake that would give the Falcons an advantage when Falcons were turning it over plenty of themselves. It's so, it's puzzling because, you know, one of my criticisms for, for Tua, as soon as the Dolphins brought him into these games, was it's like, what, what what are you running, what are you scheming for him? What are you asking him to do? Watching him come in against the Rams and I think the Cardinals the next week, you know, he was better against the Cardinals. But it's not, they weren't asking him to do much. They're just kind of like, ah, kind of roll out, you know, quick, go <laughs> to your first read, whatever. Like, why is this better than Fitzpatrick? And, the, you know, I came away from watching Burrow and Tua and Herbert thinking, that the Chargers actually ask Herbert to do the most at that point, you know, out of all the three quarterbacks, which is surprising because yeah. I thought he was the least NFL ready, but they were asking him to do the most. I'm like, wow, look how well they've prepared him. Look how well they've developed him. You know, they're not just asking him to run the Oregon offense, you know, which we all expected, you know, to be like, oh, you know, the quick screen to Allen, you know, first read throw, dump it off to Eckler, whatever. But instead, no, we're throwing deep shots to Tyron Johnson, deep shots to Jalen Guyton against the Buccaneers. You know, what the heck is going on? No one expected this. And then, you know, you watch him go on Monday Night Football and he's lighting it up. You know, you have a rookie goes, you know, goes to New Orleans and throws for four touchdowns. That's amazing. And then they just stop. They just stop. Yeah. I, I, it's, it's so confusing. And now it looks like the Dolphins are the ones who are asking, you know, Tua to do a little bit more. And the Chargers are reining Herbert back in. Yeah. It just doesn't make any sense to me. And if anything, save your job and let the rookie throw. Like it was going great. Like, yeah, they lost to the Saints, but my God, you guys made Herbert look so good. So you much know, fun. <laughs> it was so fun. I mean, how much fun were those? They lost. It sucked, you know, and I personally blame Badgley for that one more than anything in the defense, you know, but I wasn't thinking, oh, let's fire Lynn because of that one, you know, but now they're reeling him back in and they're losing. I was like, fuck you. Let's get, get out of here. Like, I don't know what you're doing. I just don't get it. Like, let him throw and save your job, honestly. Yeah, I mean, more than anything else right now, like the way that they use certain players is just really irritating to me. And Justin Herbert is on the top of that list. And, you know, like Uchenna Mwosu, for example, you know, he was playing linebacker today. He was kind of back in his old role where he was kind of just, you know, rotating a linebacker and rotating a defensive end. And it's like, what is the point of this? You know, Isaac Rochelle, you know, he's a wonderful story. And I thought he played pretty well against the run. But Uchenna Mozu is pretty clearly your second best pass rusher. He had a sack today, and he's supposed to be the future replacement of Melvin Ingram. Why are you not just unleashing him at this point? And, and that goes down all want to bring back Ingram. <laughs> oh gosh, I, I certainly hope not. But anyway, so you, you know, you go down the list, man. And Joe Reed is another one, and Joshua Kelly is another one. And you can go find any player, Kenneth Murray, and just the way that they're using these players is just so frustrating. And you know, I understand they're not like a great coaching staff and that's fine, I guess. But, you know, you've got to be able to coach your players to their 
their skill set and be able to put them in a position to succeed. And that's just not happening. And more than anything else right now, that is just the most frustrating part for me because, you know, the game management thing, you know, that kind of, there's some give and take there where if your players can help you overcome that, you know, that that's fine. That's kind of what we saw with Philip Rivers and, and Derwin James and all those guys in 2017 and 2018. But right now, like there's just, there's no flow on offense and it, it's really just, it's ruining my vibe about Justin Herbert, man. It's just, you know, in terms of setting his records and things like that, he'll break the touchdown record, but that end up, that might end up being the only one that he breaks because, you know, this team just, you know, they're not putting him in a position to succeed right now. It's kind of weird just because they do put certain players in a position to succeed. Like, you know, today they bench Adderley, you know, and they put Jaleel Dye in and Jaleel Dye was fantastic. Like, I mean, he was yeah. uh, arguably one of the best defensive players today. Um, so it's just like, you know, when they see a move and, you know, uh, there are times where it works. Um, like with Jaleel Adai, I, I thought Storm Norton played well today. Um, I, I, you know, when they brought in some of those guys called Toner, um, it's just like sometimes they just, you know, don't feel the need to make a move or, you know, they overthink things. Um, instead of just letting, you know, the best guys on the roster play it out or the guys who really want it, like we saw today with Julia Ladine. Yeah, you know, well, speaking of Nasir Adderley, this is kind of like the last negative I'll, I'll talk about. But, <laughs> man, dude, that uh, that missed tackle on Lacan Treadwell was the worst missed tackle I've seen any safety make. Like, And then he just kind of gave up. And I thought it was hilarious, like just hilarious that, as soon as Nasir Adderley is benched, Rayshon Jenkins gets put at free safety and has an interception. Like, immediately <laughs> he made a better play than Adderley has made all yeah. year long. And, you know, Rayshon Jenkins still, for some reason, gets a lot of hate on Twitter. And I get it. He's not a great player, but he's very solid. He's having a really good year this year. And the fact that he comes in right away, makes the switch to free safety and has an interception should tell you a lot about number 24. So I didn't get to watch the whole game. So did he 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 bumped Casey Hayward for another interception? Yeah, man. On like the on like the third play of the game, you know, they they got a three and out, so like it didn't like kill them. Mm-hmm. But he finally makes a play on the ball, but Hayward was literally like sitting there just chilling for an interception. Oh, wow. And you know, it was kind of a situation where the Matt Ryan kind of overthrew it and Hayward okay. is, was in perfect position. Sure. Ready to just get his first interception of the year, which you know that he wanted bad. And Adderley kind of like jumped over and ran into him. And, you know, he did the same thing with Michael Davis last week. <laughs> and it's just Adderley is bad. And I, I know that he, this is technically his rookie season or whatever, but he takes bad angles. He can't tackle. When he does get his hands on the ball, he's <laughs> knocking it away from his teammates who are in perfect position for interceptions. Like, it's bad. It's bad for number 24 and, you know, Rayshon Jenkins, give him whatever contract he wants, honestly. Laquan Treadwell has been in the league for like four years. He had two touchdowns entering today and now, and now he has three. Um, yeah, the missed tackles of that really were just um, it's so, so bad. bad. I, I, I don't. I, I guess I don't understand how he is this bad because just like if you watch tape, watch tape of Delaware. It's like this kid, you know, knows what he's doing. I, I, I'm yeah. just like, you know, he had really good tackling fundamentals. Like there wasn't 
an obvious weakness in his game, I guess. And now it's just like the fundamentals are, are really the part that's getting him. And um, that's not something that I expected coming into the NFL level. Now, you know, there are things to put on this, like, Oh, you know, it's his rookie year basically because, you know, uh, the pandemic and everything, but, um, and the injury last year, but at some point it's just like, you know, it would be fine if he was getting burnt every once in a while, <laughs> But he's getting like burnt on every throw. Like, yeah, that's that's really the problem. Um, so I don't know. Um, it, it, we already said like a couple weeks ago they already have to bring Jenkins back. Uh, I, I don't see a way around that at this point. And Jenkins, to his credit, has been playing really well. I think the last four, five, six games. Uh, so, but yeah, no. I mean, I think it, when Jalila Die comes into a game. And not yeah. getting first team reps and he outplays you. It's like, you know, the office space thing of, you know, what is it exactly that you do here? <laughs> yes. Um, so I don't know. Julie and I outplayed Adderley as far back as the Denver game. I mean, yeah, no. everybody yeah. outplayed Adderley that yeah. game. True. But yeah. like, I just, they, I, all I hear is, I mean, I'm not watching the game. I get the notification, you know, Chargers bench Adderley. Oh, okay. Jenkins gets an interception. Adai gets an interception. It's like, geez, is this the combo you should have had all year? Like, how yeah. long did this take? And so, no, they've, I mean, Adderley is, uh, it's so sad. It almost, not really. I know the situation is different, but it almost reminds me of Derek Carr, who was playing like an MVP at one point, got hurt, has not been the same until, until like maybe this year. Yeah. He's playing scared, playing confused, playing slow. I'm like, what are you, what happened? Like, you got hurt and now you're scared? And now Adderley, you know, I, I didn't quite get the hurt the same way. Didn't have some catastrophic injury last year, you know, but he looked kind of like a down year and they put him on IR or whatever. And he just hasn't been the same. It's just so strange. Like, okay, maybe, you know, college is different. The NFL is different. Sure. But playing against the 49ers, he looked like a die, you know, today with that interception. The guy just flying instincts. Boom. Go get that guy. Go get the ball. You know, should have had three interceptions. Yeah, it's a preseason against third stringers, but I don't know. I, I'm just so, I don't know what happened to him. I had such high expectations for him. Um, clearly he fell in the second round for some reason. And um, I just feel bad. So now you, you have to re-sign Jenkins. Yeah. Um, of course, Davis as well, but I mean, you don't want to watch that. At one point they had, you know, I was getting notifications that Alohi Gilman was at free safety. <laughs> like, Oh my God. Like how bad is it getting? But I mean, if the chart look, if they want to put him as returner, fine. But otherwise, you know, if, yeah. if the Jenkins Adai combo is working, great. And you know, if Adai is going to be a better strong safety than well, not Jenkins, but if he's going to be a serviceable strong safety while Jenkins, you know, is at free safety, that'll help you out next year as well. Like if you bring Adai back, I can't believe that he's on the team. But if you bring him back on the cheap, you know, you don't have to worry as much about that backup behind Derwin James. You can let Adai be the backup and whatever <laughs> i don't know, you know the, <laughs> the chargers have already been burned by letting guys like you know like Watkins, like phillips walk you know if a die is starting to kind of come back into it and be a decent backup yeah. decent role player shit keep him around don't let him go don't let yeah. another good depth contributor go who can yeah. you know make plays like he did today so i mean i i don't know if i meant to say he wants to stick around yet <laughs> but you know if he can make things kind of work and play okay and they let Jenkins just go play as free safety, which is what he's going to be paid to do for the next, yep. you know, three, four years. Uh, go for it. Cause I don't want to see Gilman and I don't want to see Adderley. 
Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't hate that. I know a lot of people remember the the free safety version of Jalil Adai, but you know, in in terms of being a strong safety dime backer type player, I think he's he's in a good spot right now. And you know, he played really well in the Denver game, and he played really well today. That interception uh, was a great, great play. You know, he had a great break on the ball and, and just read it perfectly. So I'm fine with that. Um, in terms of positive takeaways, we'll kind of shift gears here. My number one positive takeaway today is that Michael Davis, it has clicked for him. Michael Davis is playing in a very, very good rhythm right now. And, you know, I'm not saying he's a cornerback one because I don't think I'm not going to go that far. But in terms of being a cornerback two, I think he's a really, really good cornerback two. And he should have had an interception last week. He almost had two today. And, you know, that that game winning one, I don't know, game, yeah, potentially game winning, I guess. Uh, the last play was a really freaking good play, and and he is really coming into his own. And and he was the only person on the team that could even be, get anywhere close to Calvin Ridley. And listen, that's another thing. Calvin Ridley's a freaking monster, man. Yeah. And he was lighting Casey Hayward and, and Chris Harris up. But when Michael Davis was on him, he was doing really well. And I thought Michael Davis really had a very, very good game. And, you know, Alex kind of tweeted this out, give him a blank check and and honestly, like Davis, sign me up, man. I think he's a perfect cornerback too for this team. And, you know, he's very durable and he's really coming into his own stride. So uh, I was a big fan of what Michael Davis did today. Yeah, I'm just sitting here thinking about that fourth pick and thinking about Davis and Sertan together. That would be <laughs> fun. Um, but no, I mean, Davis was really awesome today. Uh, I I mean, he's been he's been awesome all year. Davis he is has, the second yeah. best player. Davis is the second best player on the defense outside of uh, Joey Bosa. I mean, that's just uh, you know who he's been, and he was really impressive today. You know, um, obviously getting the interception, uh, even like <laughs> on that uh, ball where uh, I, I think it was early in the game where Matt Ryan threw it, and uh, you know, basically Michael Davis like picked it out of bounds. Uh, I thought that was really good towards the end zone. Yeah. Uh, and he turned his head around right. and <laughs> it was really great. And it, it just seems like uh, things are clicking for him, you know, together. And in a game where Chris Harris and Casey Hayward were getting uh, roasted and toasted to the old folks home. Yeah. It was uh, my, <laughs> Michael Davis was just, uh, you know, a breath of fresh air along with uh, Rayshon Jenkins. Um, so those two, I think, uh, played a really good game, and I think those are the two that are playing them, uh, playing themselves in a spots next year. And the wonderful thing is, you know, we don't. It's not like he's having a like. There was a, I think it was Josh Norman, who I don't really remember much of him before his very last contract year, and then they paid him a ton of money to go to Washington, or yeah, Washington, the football team, and he was just never the same. Like yeah. he just had that one huge, like really good year. But then he's clearly overpaid and then just, you know, watching Keenan on roast him the next year in Washington or, <laughs> or in Carson, excuse me. And, you know, Michael, whereas Michael Davis, while he's played very well this year, I do think, you know, he still has some room to grow. But, yeah, you know, it's so funny. We were joking, you know, against the Chiefs. He, he turns his head around and makes a play. And we're going, holy shit, Michael <laughs> Davis turned his head around and yeah. knocked the ball down. Like, this is great. Yeah. But little did I know that this was a, a sign of things to come. Yeah. And everything that he's doing, you know, against the, you know, against the bills, he's, you know, even kind of stumbling in a route, but gets back up, recovers, uses his amazing, amazing athleticism and picks off Allen, you know, should have had that pick against, um, what else his name? Cam Newton. 
and you know should have had apparently two picks today. It's just clicking for him, and it's great. And, and I I really I didn't really see it coming. Like I honestly thought at some point that Faison could potentially replace him because last yeah. year, you know, one of my one of my problems with him, he just he's like you kind of just you know let plays go when they're running near him. You didn't want to get his you know head nose in there and, and tackle the guy. And I just don't like that. Like I don't understand. I understand, you know, corners, you know, not linebackers, they're not, you know, hitters, really. But I don't understand not trying either and just being out of plays. And so for him to both improve as a tackler, you know, and as a guy, I'm, I think his tackles for lots of run stops or whatever are like double what he had last year. Like wherever he's at, he's way ahead in that category. Yeah. You know, now just playing himself into a good contract, I'm all for it. But either way, whether you like him or not, whether fans will think he's overpaid or not, once again, they don't have a choice. They do not have another... <laughs> Like they don't have a player behind Davis to make this work. There is nobody else. Like you have to pay Davis and I think they should, you know, but now will they have to overpay him because they don't have anything else going for them. You know, we can talk about other positions. I'm I'm sure at some point, but um, so they have to pay him, but I'd be more than happy to have them pay him. And if that comes at the expense of cutting, you know, Chris Harris and or cutting uh, Casey Hayward or Trey Turner, you know, fine, I guess it's going to have to come down to that, but at least he's earned it. Um, yeah, the thing about Davis has also impressed me. It's like he's uh you know, he's kind of really taken advantage of some like good quarterbacks too. Like, I mean, yeah. he got the pick six on Brady earlier in the year. Um, you know, he got the pick on Allen, then yeah. you know, today he gets the pick on uh, Matt Ryan. Like, you know, he's just been playing as you know, it's not like a bad quarterback, you know, who's just tossing that pick or something like He's been playing uh, and reading quarterbacks really well. Uh, I think he's been keeping up receivers. You know, Stefan Diggs just destroyed the Steelers today, which in retrospect, uh, in Buffalo with no Casey Hayward, Michael Davis shut down Stefan Diggs, um, which was, you know, in in retrospect and at the time, um, a really impressive performance. So, no, I mean, I think Michael Davis has really – uh, out of all the players who are playing on the field this year, so not including Derwin James, I think Michael Davis has established himself as the best player in the secondary. Yeah, I totally agree with that. And, uh, you know, I think he's definitely earned the contract. And, you know, Tyler mentioned they don't have a choice. Like, it's the same thing with Rayshon Jenkins. They don't have a choice. They have to pay them. Um, but I, I think my, my second positive takeaway was, was really uh, just Tyron Johnson. I thought Tyron Johnson played a, a really wonderful game today. And he's been making a lot of plays the last few weeks. And, you know, I'm interested to see the snap count. Uh, I know, obviously, he kind of stepped in for Mike Williams, who uh, that's another conversation that we need to have is that, you know, Mike Williams is just kind of not very dependable. And, you know, him being active and then not playing really cost them, I felt like today. Anyways, um, so Tyron Johnson, he had six catches, 55 yards and a touchdown. I thought he played really well. And he had the, the last reception that kind of sealed the deal for the Chargers. And if they can develop him into a really nice wide receiver three, someone that can take the top off the defense, make plays, you know, yards after catchability, um, you know, that's another another conversation is, is whether they should take a receiver next year or not. Uh, but I like Tyron Johnson, and I like the way that he has progressed throughout the year. He's making some big strides. You know, obviously he had the Hail Mary against uh, Buffalo, and uh, I'm a big fan of his right now. I think he's making a lot of plays for this team. No, give give him tons of credit for walking into, I believe, Lynn's office before the Bucks game going, yeah. activate me, put me on the roster. And then he scores that game. 
you know, now he's setting up the game winning field goal in this game, <laughs> which I didn't think they were going to make. But anyway, I got him. I got him a lot of credit. I wish they would stop doing the dump it off for like a two yard route on second and 15. Yeah. And pray to God that he can run for the next 13. Like, eh, I don't like that as much. Right. But, you know, give him credit. He stepped up and. I don't, I know I didn't watch the whole game, so I couldn't tell you where Jalen Guyton was or what he was doing. Um, but I don't I haven't really seen much of Jalen Guyton recently. So yeah. if they feel like a guy like Tyron Johnson is the guy moving forward, great. And they signed him to a two-year deal recently. Like in the middle of the season, they're like, eh, here's two years or something. I don't know if it was after the Bucks game or what. He's not a free agent next year. No. Or is he? I don't think so. No, I don't think so. Okay. So great. Continue to develop him. The Chargers do need to do that. And let's talk about the receivers. Where'd Mike Williams go? What is happening? And like, and you know, people are talking about he's visibly frustrated because he's not getting targeted. Yeah. Which, you know, I can kind of understand. Like there are I do, I do see Herbert sometimes missing, you know, Williams deep, throwing it to Allen, getting picked, or throwing it in you know, incompletion or whatever. But Williams ain't worth $15 million next year. No. Nope. Everyone's like, oh, well, we'll just extend him to lower that cap it. Like, really? You really want to have Williams <laughs> for another, you know, four years? Like, yeah. I don't know if I want to pay him, you know, for another. I mean, you can maybe do a team. I'm sure it'll be some Telasco team friendly deal. But, you know, I'd rather just kind of get rid of him at this point, which is sad. You know, I love Mike Williams. What he did for Philip Rivers last year, bailing him out time and time again. That's heroic, you know, and, and bailing out, you know, Justin Herbert a couple of times this year. I love Mike Williams as a player, but he's just not on the field. He's not available. And I don't know. I, I really think the Chargers do need to get rid of him next year and draft a receiver potentially in the first round. I was not really on board with that until, I guess, recently. You have to make a lot of adjustments. Like You can't just ignore the line and take a receiver right. in the first round. My goodness. Even Telesco who took a receiver in the first round, followed it up with two offensive line picks in that draft. So even he knows you have, you can't just ignore, I hope yeah. he doesn't do it again. Um, <laughs> but I mean, I'm ready to have the discussion. You know, I think Mel Kuyper and Todd McShay had the pick. I don't know who it was, but it was a receiver, I believe. And I'm like, oh, pfft, that's, a, that's so stupid. But if Mike Williams just isn't contributing again, and he's hurt again, and he's getting frustrated and he's expensive. I'm kind of ready to have that conversation. And if the chargers, Pick and chase it four, but if they, you know, if they beat the Raiders, who kind of stink right now, and you know maybe they beat the Broncos, and they just start drafting in that you know ten to whatever range. I don't know if Chase is going to be there, but you know if they move a little bit further backwards, kind of more okay. Yeah, I don't, I don't hate it because there are plays where you know watch and you know they're just circling. They always show the replay. They're circling here. This receiver is not getting separation. Circle here. This receiver is not getting separation. You know, and it's more, it's more obviously more than just speed. They have speed guys on the team, but it's clearly more than that. So, yeah, I don't know. I don't hate the idea. So there's all those things. Have at it. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't think it's a speed thing because Keenan Allen's like <laughs> the second slowest guy on the team, on the team other than Mike <laughs> Williams. Um, and he could create separation because he's a really great route runner. Um, so I don't know. I mean, in terms of the whole, like, they have to draft a receiver. I don't know if I'm there yet. Um, I mean, I think, you know, if you get a little bit out of Tyron Johnson and maybe he becomes your wide receiver three, I, d- I definitely think 
they need to take a receiver earlier than people think they do, I guess is what I would say, um, which is maybe the first three or four rounds. Whereas before the discussion may have been, oh, we'll take a receiver late as like a project in the fifth or sixth round or something. Yeah. Um, But I I don't think that's what you can do this year, um, especially because Mike Williams likely isn't going to be back in 2022. Uh, So I, I think you have to start preparing for that reality. Um, and honestly, like you just see what you have now and next off season, right? If a guy like Joe Reed develops, play more Joe Reed at receiver. If a guy like KJ Hill develops, play more KJ Hill at receiver. Same with, um, uh, Tyron Johnson, same with Jalen Guyton. Like, you know, <laughs> we really should have had the wide receiver three competition and declared a winner by this point already. Yeah. Um, but you know, it just kind of hasn't panned out to that extent. So, um, I, I think if, you know, by next off season, you, you figure out who kind of the wide receiver three is between some of those guys. Uh, and maybe you take a receiver, um, in the first three or four rounds. I, I, I think that that's kind of the way to go because you really do have to, I think have to prepare for the reality that Mike Williams is, is going to leave, um, you know, unless Pulesco were to resign him, but I, I just don't think it's really worth resigning him. I mean, having that deep ball guy and in, in clutch situations can be important, but it's like, where are you the rest of the game? Yeah. <laughs> like that's, that's just part of it for me. Um, you know, so I, I don't know if I would love Jamar chase in the first round or Devonta Smith, Jalen Waddle. Um, but you know, it, I, I would personally lean towards Patrick Sertan or Caleb Parley with that fourth pick right now. But uh, if the Chargers decided to go uh, with a receiver in the first round, I honestly couldn't blame them because really other than Keenan Allen and Tyron Johnson today, no one else can separate. And I, it's not like Tyron Johnson is going to be super consistent game to game. Yeah. You know, the, the, they're in a tough spot in the receiver position and the running back position, which is, you know, a different conversation, but you know, it just in terms in, in general, I have been very anti-receiver in the first round. I think Mike Williams' draft selection kind of scarred me <laughs> with that <laughs> kind of output. But, you know, in, in all seriousness, Mike Williams probably should be a wide receiver three at this point. You know, and, and that's the thing. If they're paying him like a wide receiver three, great. I'm all for it. But, you know, I, I'm – I don't know, man. The way that he plays, it, it's just not conducive to being a very reliable player at this point. And if he's the wide receiver too, you you got to have that be like your main thing with your receivers. Like you need your one and two receivers on the field at all times. And I don't know. We haven't seen much of KJ Hill. We haven't seen much of Joe Reed. So it's like, what's the future in terms of being wide receiver too? So listen, Jamar Chase is is an amazing player. I, I watched him this this week. He is a great route runner. He's got really nice explosiveness after the catch and, you know, and in jump ball situations. And, and he outproduced Justin Jefferson at LSU. And look what Justin Jefferson's doing in the NFL for the Vikings right now. So I wouldn't hate it. I'm not going to advocate for it. Like it, it's not no, going to be right. something like the, these guys need to get Jamar Chase. But no, no, no. If it did happen, like I would understand it. I really would. You know, you look at what you know, adding Stefan Diggs and Cole Beasley has done to Josh Allen's career and, and look at what not having quality receivers has done for Carson Wentz's career and, and things like that. So 
I wouldn't hate it. I would understand it. But this team just needs so much help on the offensive line right. and in the secondary and potentially a pass rusher. So I don't, I'm not going to advocate it for it, like I said. But I would understand taking Jamar Chase. Like, if you're sitting there at four, you can't get a trade back offer, and you take Jamar Chase, like, okay, I understand that. I totally do. Um, you know, yeah. I, I don't know if I would take, yeah, Jamar Chase. I think I lean more towards Sertan, as I said. But yeah, um, I think part of it, you know, is also the factor is, like, everyone's trying to catch the Chiefs in the AFC West, right? You know, um, in terms of having that explosive receiving core. We saw Denver invested all of that draft capital last year uh, into receivers. Henry Ruggs for the Raiders last year, uh, which is looking like a – kind of bad pick in retrospect compared to C.D. Lamb and Jefferson. Uh, but, you know, everyone's trying to catch the Chiefs uh, and, you know, get those explosive receivers around your quarterback. Um, so, yeah, no, I definitely think it wouldn't be bad to go earlier in the draft next year than some people think. But they can't do it in the end because Telesco has not set them up to make luxury picks this year. Probably true. That is that is the truth, Tyler, right there. You know, it's going to be very interesting to see how he handles this offseason or maybe someone else handles this offseason. And, uh, you know, I think just that Joshua Kelly, I had a couple of people tweet me and say that I was hammering on him. Listen, Joshua Kelly is a, a very nice individual. Sure. I think eventually he could become <laughs> a nice backup running back to Austin Eckler. But that's the thing. Like he, Tom Telesco drafted a backup running back and, you know, this team has so many other needs at offensive line, at corner. And there were some really good prospects right there. Literally the next three picks, like I, I tweeted out today, you know, Troy Pride would be amazing on this team. You know, Ben Barst isn't great, but, you know, he's started a couple of games for the Jaguars. There was Ben Bredesen, who started for the Ravens. Kevin Dotson, who started and been amazing for the Steelers. And you took uh, your fifth running back at this point. So... Good job, Tom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the thing with Kelly. It's like, you know, it's not you, it's me. You know? Yeah. <laughs> in, terms of the, in terms of the team construction. And look, you're a nice guy, Josh, but I think it's time to, <laughs> to separate for the rest of this season. Right. Um, I don't know. I mean, I'm just, you know, he was a healthy scratch and a lot of it is kind of, isn't his fault. I mean, I I think it's been tough this year because Eckler was out for a long period of time. Um, But it's like, you know, Justin Jackson was out for a long period of time too. And it's not like Joshua Kelly did a lot in that period to like show us why he should be the number two or even three running back at this point. Um, And, you know, Eckler and Jackson are both under contract next year from my understanding. So if the team re-signs Balazs or keeps Pope, it's just like, I don't even know what Kelly's role in the team would really be at this point. Um, hopefully he improves in the off season uh, and, you know, kind of just develops, but uh, I'm not seeing anything really from him uh, that makes me think that it wasn't a bad pick, especially when you list all of the guys that are already immediately contributing, uh, even if they're not great, uh, those guys that are immediately contributing at other places. The theme for the draft for me when I graded it was, I get it. Like, I get it. You needed another running back. Um, Jackson, you couldn't rely on him. And, you know, Gordon's gone. And like, yeah, at some point you needed another running back. Yeah. And Kelly wasn't a bad college 
you know, back. It's not like he picked some, you know, some terrible, terrible, wasn't, um, oh, who's the certified fullback for the Packers? What's his name? Dylan. Dylan. Yeah, that guy. Yeah. It's not like that. But, um, I, I, I feel bad for him to, to go from a guy who popped week one, who was yeah. apparently, I think everyone said he was like the preseason standout too. You know, one of the best, you know, offensive players on the team. Like, this is great. Joshua Kelly picks being awesome. And the Chargers have such a good track history of, of developing running backs recently. And then whether it be special teams or his fumbles or just some issues, like just things aren't working out for him. Yeah. And, you know, it couldn't happen to a nicer guy. Uh, the Chargers, you know, went for character and smiles apparently this offseason. <laughs> <laughs> and this team has a lot of really good smilers on this team. I don't know what so it is. Many, so many. Um, and Joshua Kelly's got that huge smile. Anyway, that's irrelevant. But <laughs> to, be outpla- to be outplayed by the guy, you know, who comes in, he's a cast off. The Jets and the Dolphins didn't want him. And you get outplayed by that guy. Yeah. And then you get Pope who, you know, he's not a bad player, but, you know, he's a guy who's kind of a journeyman at this point. Getting outplayed by him. And then Jackson comes back, and in certain games, you can tell they just can use him a little bit more. And then Kelly comes in, and they try the stupid, I think it was third down or fourth down against the Bills, where they're sending him out on a, not a sweep, what was it, an option play? I the, can't remember now. The speed option? Speed option, yeah. thank you. Trying to get him on the outside. And like, that's, I don't know. Maybe so they just bad. can't, maybe they just don't know what to do with him. Like, I don't know. I'm, I don't know. I hope he gets it together because. If he's not even making it on special teams at this point, yeah, then that's going to be a huge issue. Speaking, really of special, is. speaking of special teams with him, I mean, he was the guy that killed Ty Long in the Jets game. Um, you know, so that, that's part of it too. Uh, so I guess I would say Joshua Kelly, last in the league in running efficiency, uh, <laughs> first in smiles per rushing attempt. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah, man, that that's they're in a tough spot, like I said, you know, because Kalen Blage is a free agent. He hasn't been great. Like he he was pretty good against the Raiders. Actually, he was really good against the Raiders. He was pretty good against the Dolphins. Kind of tailed off. Justin Jackson can't stay healthy. Joshua Kelly averages like 1.4 yards per carry. So it's like they're in a tough spot there too. And and but they can't afford to take a running back early. Like they have to you know, beef up the offensive line and hope that that kind of helps Kelly in retrospect. But, you know, Tom Telesco has created some, some very tough decisions for himself uh, this upcoming off season. So um, let's, let's table that discussion for now, guys, any other positive takeaways from today's victory over the Atlanta Falcons? Uh, and then we'll wrap up. Um, I don't know. I mean, in terms of other positives, um, I, I was happy with the, I, I mentioned Storm Norton before, um, I was happy with the yeah. way that I, I guess the theme of the game was uh, guys stepping up uh, for injured guys. I mean, we, we saw that throughout the game. Good call. Yeah. Uh, Trey Turner and Brian Belaga go down, you know, you have uh, storm and Colt Honer come in. Um, so I, I thought they did a good job in protecting Herbert uh, for, from when they came in uh, someone like Tyron Johnson stepping up when, you know, Mike Williams was dealing with injury and Keenan was on the sideline. Uh, so, you know, that was a pretty big uh, kind of moment in the game for him. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I guess the theme of the game from that standpoint was just guys stepping up. Uh, Jaleel Adai, when Nasir Adderley got benched slash Anthony Lynn said he was injured. 
<laughs> you know, so uh, I, I think that it, it was just things like that. Um, and in these last few weeks, you know, uh, play the guys who want to play, play the guys who want to be here uh, and play the guys that give you the best results. Uh, I, I guess that's just uh, what my main takeaway was uh, ultimately for today. And uh, great jobs for, you know, the guys who had those games like uh, Norton and Die and all the others. A lot of positives, actually. Um, uh, and positive from a negative, because I do think Trey Turner is a, is a very strong cut candidate this offseason. If he does have a concussion, he will definitely not be playing this Thursday against the Raiders, which will give the Chargers a good look at Cole Toner. Yeah. And I, I really want to see how that goes because Toner has played well when he's asked to start or play, you know, more than just a couple of spot, you know, snaps. And I'd be really curious because they do need to consider bringing him back and the Chargers have to be frugal somewhere. And if, if Toner has, you know, a couple of you know, good game against the Raiders and, you know, he's got a couple of games in the past that look pretty decent and they're cutting Turner, you know, at worst, bring him back. And at least, at least you kind of solve some of your interior offensive line depth or something. I don't know. Yeah. Um, some of the other positives, I got to give credit to, well, okay. Congratulations, Justin Herbert, because there we go. I, I really did think that that interception, which I'm still confused what happened. Alan just kind of like, wasn't looking for it. Not really sure what the mm. point of that one was. I'll have to go back and, and see exactly what was going on, but for him to kind of get that monkey off his back and have that come from behind victory or not come from behind, but you know, game winning drive, you know, victory, you know, because he didn't really have those, you know, against the Panthers, it came up short, not his fault. Against the Saints, came up short, not his fault. You know, against the Buccaneers, threw an interception. Um, you know, had some picks against the Broncos, but that wasn't really, you know, him at the end. So for him to close it out, yeah, even against, you know, a team like the Falcons who aren't very good, it's just good. It's just good that he's doing that. Yeah. And, and good for the team. And, and, and he won because also another positive, Badgley. Like, he did have a good... I don't know if he had a good game, didn't really do much, but we like everyone thought he was missing that. Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't a fan or even coach, I think, that thought he was going to make that. And that's really sad. You know, this is a guy who meant so much to the Chargers who we thought fixed their kicking issues in 2018, you know, and was so clutch in the postseason. Right. Just have such a bad year. That sucks. And for every fan to be sitting there going, oh my God, he's going to miss. You know, I really thought this day was going to be all about young, Ho- young Hoi Koo in the end. Um, and <laughs> it ended up being the Michael Badgley game-winning kick. Yeah. yeah. So good for Justin Herbert. Good for um, Michael Badgley. And good for Anthony Lynn's prospects at being a special teams coordinator next season. <laughs> <laughs> but on a different team. Um, <laughs> on a different team. I got to give credit also to uh, Linval Joseph. Um, Linval Joseph was really awesome today. Um, you know, he kind of stepped up in a way where a lot of people went, hey, you know, you're not going to stop the run. Uh, I'm going to stop the run. <laughs> and uh, I thought it was great to have that performance where uh, he got into the backfield consistently. So him, uh, Michael Davis, really a lot of the guys on defense, even though there weren't a ton of standouts, um, holding this Falcons team, which had been doing pretty well offensively to 17 points. Um, I think that that's a pretty good effort. Yeah, absolutely. I think the defense played really well today. And, and you know, Justin Herbert is first game winning drive of, of his career. And hopefully the first of many, uh, I thought he played fantastic today in the opportunities that he was given. 
Um, you know, again, the usage was kind of frustrating, but it is what it is at this point. Um, and also, you know, I'm going to go back and watch the film and I'm really excited to watch how this offensive line played because I thought Sam Tevy played fantastic today. And I really did. And, you know, Alex mentioned Storm Morton, who played really well as well. So as well as well. That, that's excellent. <laughs> excellent wording by me. <laughs> but yeah, man, I thought the offensive line played really fantastic today. And, you know, if Cole Toner starting next week, I'm, I'm excited for it because he played, you know, he's played the best guard game that we've seen of anyone on this team in, in Denver. So uh, Cole Toner, I'm excited to see what he can do. And, and honestly, at this point, like start Toner the rest of the season, start Belaga the rest of this, or start Storm Norton the rest of the season because Turner and Belaga just can't stay on the field, man. And, you know, we were all super excited for those additions, but, you know, Belaga has started and finished, what, four games and Turner five. So, you know, get the young guys in and let them get some reps and, and let them see if there's if there's something there. And I'm kind of just done with the whole Turner and Belaga experiment, as sad as it is. Yeah, I mean, on the other hand, uh, I want to see them. Like, if I could have two games or games played twice, that'd be great. On the one hand, I want to see the young guys. On the other hand, you know, well, I think Turner's gone anyway. But I, I got to see how Turner and Balaga play because we you have to know, like, Balaga, I mean, not that they're cutting him, but geez, like, we got to see something. We got to know yeah. that he's some sort of tackle of the future, which I think he is. I think his situation is just kind of more unlucky, unfortunate you know, some back issues and Jonathan Abrams slams into his back and then he gets a concussion. Like, right. That kind of sucks. Like that's not really, you know, and he yeah. tried to go back in and that's why he got hurt. You know, so I do kind of feel bad in that regard, but I got to, got to see, I wish I could see both of them play. And I guess we will, because none of these guys can finish the game. <laughs> no, I, I suppose we will see them all play at some point. Yeah. I guess Cole Toner for me is more of like, absolutely. I feel like he, he's been better than Turner has. He really has. Yep. Um, but Brian Balaga, I, I think really, like you said, it's just a bad luck because he had a knee injury that he tried to play through and then it was just really bad. And then he had a back injury and then a re-aggravated back injury, uh, food poisoning in Buffalo, <laughs> and, and now a concussion yeah. on the fourth play or fifth play of the game today. So just some bad luck. And, and Brian Balaga, when he's been on the field, he's been really, really good. Yeah. So, yeah. And they can't cut him because that's that's so much dead money next year that they cannot afford to cut him. Trey Turner, on the other hand, you know, I think his dead money cap it's like two million instead of I think Blaga would be like ten. So yeah, I, I'm okay if they cut Trey Turner. Yeah, so. no, uh, I, I would be okay with they cut Trey Turner. Um, <laughs> Chris Harris and Casey Hayward seem to be burning a, a pretty significant hole in that cap room next year as well. So I, I, I wouldn't be shocked if they're a defensive cut. True, true, true. Well, guys, this has been fun. It's been a good episode today. Uh, Alex did tweet this out a couple days ago. If you guys ever have any questions that you want answered on the podcast, feel free to leave a review and ask that question. And uh, we'll keep an eye on those and uh, answer them on the podcast. And obviously, since the Chargers play on Thursday, the uh, the podcast format will be a little different this week. We're going to release our uh, week preview on Wednesday and then do another episode on Thursday night that we'll record. So you'll get to hear our voices uh, three times this week instead of twice. So uh, good for you guys. I guess. <laughs> you'll hear more of my Manscaped ads. Yes. <laughs> you know, Tyler, listen, like I had like three or, three or four people message me and be like, Tyler has a feature in advertising if he wants it. So 
That's hilarious, but I'm Asian. I have a future in marketing and accounting, okay? <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you next time. See you. Bye. Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945.